property. We live on it. We buy it. Sell it. Invest in it. This is Propertunity Knox with Jordan Chernotsky. Good morning, my people. Welcome back to another edition of Propertunity Knox. I'm your host, Jordan Chernotsky. Those who do know me personally, we may call me Cherno, but we'll get there. Guys, welcome back. Thank you all for tuning in. And uh, it's a very exciting part of my week this, this Sunday morning. No better way to start the day. And with us today, we've got a very interesting, well, interviewee and professional, Mr. Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency, representing, uh, well, effectively a very established and successful property firm or agency operating in Israel. So today's uh, interviewee is already live with us. Barry, good morning. Good morning, uh, Cherno, if I can call you that. Please do. <laughs> How's good. it going, Barry? How are you? Yeah, good, thank God. All well. How are you guys doing? Yeah, look, the weather's been a little bit uh, rainy and miserable this week, but, uh, you know, such as in South Africa, where weather's a little bit uh, neither here nor there. You get dressed yeah. in the morning for a thunderstorm, and by the time you get to the office, you're sweating. <laughs> Well, well, th- this is the best time of the year for weather in Israel. We're in between. In fact, Tuesday was summer, uh, Wednesday was autumn, and now Thursday was winter already. Uh, I can so, imagine uh, your your, cub- your closet must be very, very yeah. spread out with different options. So, so for the first time, really, uh, in, in since summer, I'm, I'm in a bit of a long sleeve here. Oh wow, that's a rarity yeah. in Israel. Yeah. I mean, I, I, in my yeah. experiences there, in fact, I've only been in July, so it's pretty much an okay. oven. It's yeah, pretty yeah. much an, a furnace. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. For for four months. Oh, my word. It's probably the hottest country I've ever been to. But, you know, for those who like a you know, warm getaway, there's not many places better. But uh, <laughs> before we jump into our interview, which uh, I've been looking quite forward to for, you know, since we, since we first spoke, let's uh, just uh, take a little bit of a short one and be back briefly. Property. We live on it. We buy it. Sell it. Invest in it. This is Propertunity Knox with Jordan Chernotsky. Propertunity Knox, we are here, we are live, we are in studio with Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency in Israel. Basically, what we'll be discussing today is something that I know all of our viewers, listeners will be quite interested in, that being the current conditions of the Israeli property market. Uh, I'm sure most of us know some of the most expensive property in the world is located in Tel Aviv, if not most of it. But uh, we've got Barry Cohen here from the Blue Agency just to run through a few common points of interest and you know, perhaps provide some form of a comparison between the Israeli market and our market. So, Barry, I hope, you, I hope you're ready. I hope you are prepared, and I have no doubt you are. I tend to get... Uh, you know, quite a few questions out in our short little period of time here. So without further ado, really, yeah. <laughs> let's jump straight into it. Okay. In our chats this week leading up to this, you mentioned to me that as of late, housing sales, well, I'm not sure about across the country, but mainly in the center of Israel, have uh, taken quite a hit and have seemed to be or seemed to drop off a little bit. So, I mean, is there a specific reason for that that you can maybe – Give us a little bit of insight into. You know, I, I always say you have to be careful what you type into Google because if you type into Google prices rising in the housing markets, so then you'll get that answer. True. If you type in prices dropping, you'll get that answer. So it's, it's very difficult to wade through all of this information to, to get to the actual truth. But there's no doubt uh, from the second quarter results of this year and now the third quarter results starting to come come out, that the, the Israeli housing market has had quite a drastic slowdown, uh, certainly from the past, uh, w- w- well, I would say six months into COVID, so probably about July 2020, where it just shot up like a, a meteor. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely a shift, uh, a shift in the market. Uh, 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 sales 
sales are down, new housing sales are down, second-hand uh, uh, sales are down. The question is, what is, attributing, uh, what is the attributable factor to that? And that is, uh, is not an easy thing to, uh, uh, to discover because the, the developers are saying that the reason that there's no sales is because they have very little stock left. Yeah. The Bank of Israel is saying that sales have slowed down because interest rates have, have gone up and uh, mortgages have become more expensive. Yeah. Um, I, I think that it's probably a, a mix of the two and some other factors that uh, have led to a drop of about 32% um, uh, year on year uh, for now. Wow, that is very, very drastic. Um, I mean... Look, I, I, I'm not sure how uh, familiar you are with our current market, but you know, for those involved, it's not exactly a pretty picture right now. You know, interest rate hikes are almost a, a common thing at this point in South Africa, which again, as you know, would affect housing prices, housing sales, buyer affordability. But how how much have these interest rates increased on your side of town? And uh, you know, what sort of a, a figure are we looking at there? I mean, it, for example, ours at the moment is up to 9.75%, which, you know, historically speaking, when the market was at its best, is not the highest it's been. But, you know, given mm-hmm. the complexities in the economy and general affordability, it has created a new a number of problems for prospective purchases. So give us a little bit of a, a story into how it's uh, affecting Israeli buyers and investors. So for for many years, the uh, the prime rate in Israel has been probably uh, half a percent, even going down to 0.1 percent. That's I'm talking the the Bank of Israel lending rate. My Obviously, word. when you get to the to the the bank itself, it's it's higher than that. Yeah. Um, but translating it into property transactions, the average shekel mortgage you used to be able to take out at uh, maybe just under three percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a 20, 25 year mortgage, wow. that is now up to about four and a half percent. So on the one hand, there's a big jump. It's a 50% increase in interest rates, yeah. which probably translates for the average household to an extra 800 to 1,000 shekels a month. That's a lot of money. Um, that's a lot of money on the one hand. On the other hand, it's still relatively low. Yeah. Um, you talk about historically, you know, your your interest rates haven't hit your your highest levels. We also haven't hit our yeah. highest levels. Yeah. Our, our levels could have been uh, uh, eight or ten percent on a mortgage. Yeah, for sure. So, so there's, you know, definitely people. That there's there's a drop of about twenty percent in in mortgages that have been taken over the past three three months. Mm-hmm. Just to give you an idea, in in July the the number was in the region of about 9.1 uh, billion shekels uh, of mortgages that were taken. Yeah, wow. and I think it's it, it's a combination of uh, interest rates going up and people uh, having a bit of a, a shock, interest rate shock. We've never seen interest. For the past 10 years, we haven't seen high interest rates in, in Israel and all over the world. Yeah. So I suppose, so I suppose that could, uh, well, would contribute to the, I wouldn't say, well, exorbitant might not be the right word. It might be perfect, but I suppose the, you know, semi low interest rates are a, you know, major contributing factor as to why the prices are as high as they are. Cause well, well, for a, sure. There's an for adverse sure, effect here. If you, you know, if you, if you're looking to buy a property for two and a half million shekels and, um, the guy decides to put up the, the price by 200,000 shekels, say fine, it's an extra 150 shekels a month on my mortgage or 200 shekels, which is, 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 is a relatively small amount of money. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there's eventually on the axis, you 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 cross the axis where people can no longer afford. They can afford up to four thousand, five, six thousand shekels a month on their mortgage. Mm-hmm. But eventually, they simply can't afford it. They can always squeeze another hundred or two hundred shekels. But I think that we're getting, especially with the interest rates and and the the housing prices, we're pretty much getting to that axis 
you know, that cross points on the axis where people just simply won't be able to buy. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, the market has to turn around and say, okay, where do we go from here? And either this is obviously the million-dollar question, will prices stay the same, go up or go down? Yes, of course. That's very interesting, I must say. But just building on that, do you believe in your experience that, and I mean all of us who have been to Israel or lived there or do live there know, that the cost of living is a little bit more expensive than your average country. Do you believe that that plays a large role <laughs> in a person's ability to to purchase a home? I mean, you know, the, everyone's obviously living a highly expensive lifestyle there because they have to in order to get by. But, you know, does the, do these factors affect your ability to, to take out a mortgage? Does it affect your affordability, your credit? I mean, how does this all impact you? So... So, Jordan, an, an interesting um, factor in buying new homes in Israel, if you're buying off plan, yeah. as hopefully most people will know if they're buying from, from overseas, that if you're buying something for a million shekels and you put down 200,000 shekels on signing, the balance is linked to a building index. Okay. And that building index has traditionally been probably around 1%, maybe between uh, 1% and 2%, certainly for the past 10 years, which basically means that if your your property is going to be ready in two years' time and you've got a million shekels outstanding for the builder, you're going to be paying an extra ten or 20,000 shekels at the, at the end of the day. Wow, that building index over the past year has gone up 8%. Hmm. So... It's something that you don't know, obviously, beforehand when you're buying. You don't know what the index is going to be. Yeah. That's definitely going to be a shocker for people. Most people buying off plan, certainly from overseas, are doing a 2080 deal. Mm-hmm. Put down 20% now, 80% on completion. Yeah. And um, they're going to have a huge uh, shock when they see at the end of the day that they're going to have to pay an extra 10 or 15% on the price of the property that they bought. I'm sure that's a heart attack waiting to happen for most of us. does not sound like and a position you'd want to find yourself in, I suppose. But it, Yeah, and, and just going to your question of, uh, of, of the cost of living. So, again, traditionally uh, the inflation rate in Israel, certainly for the past 10 years, has been around 1%, even less than 1%. Year on year to September, we're talking about 5%. Wow. So no, that is, uh, that's it's, beyond it's, substantial. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very big uh, it's a very big jump. Uh, the cost of living in Israel has has gone up tremendously, and um, that is also going to have an impact on the ability uh, for people to buy mm-hmm. and also to rent, which yes. we can touch on later. No, of course. So then, you know, with that in mind. What sort of a financial position would one have to be in in order to qualify for, let's just say, you know, a maximum figure bond from the bank? For example, a two million shekel apartment or house or whatever the case may be. What sort of an income would they need to be drawing in? I mean, for example, here as a basis average, if you're looking at a, you know, 20,000 rand a month bond repayment, your income after expenses needs to be something around triple that. So it's very similar, very similar over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're looking uh, for three times cover on your monthly repayment. Okay. The difference being here is that they don't take the value of the property into account. So uh, j- just just to explain that, uh, obviously, if you if you bought a property or the the property is valued at two million shekels, that is the value that they will be taking for for granting the mortgage. Yeah. But if you have a property of 10 million, that's worth 10 million shekels, and you only want the 2 million shekel mortgage, they're not interested in the value of the property. They're interested still if you can, if your income is three times uh, uh, your mortgage repayment. And it's, it's gross, gross income. Yes, of course. No, that's, that's interesting to note how there are some similarities between us, apart from the fact that yeah. our markets are both seemingly struggling. But this is, uh, this is all a, very interesting, 
you know, chunk of information. And I suppose the next and question, just, yes, yes, yes. So just to clarify, um, there's a difference between uh, first-time home buyers and uh, second-time home buyers or non-residents. Yes. So uh, as a first-time home buyer in Israel, you can take a mortgage up to 60-70%. Once it gets to over 70%, it becomes very, very expensive. The yeah. Bank of Israel um, penalizes you for, for taking a high mortgage. Okay. Um, whereas if you're a second-time home buyer or if you are non-resident or uh, a foreigner, you can take a maximum 50%. Hmm. That's actually, if I'm not mistaken, based on my knowledge, is exactly how it works here. I think a maximum of 50% would be given to a, a non-resident. But let me ask you then, do in general, do you believe that, well, not believe, but do the banks generally require or suggest a larger deposit? Would you suggest a larger deposit when... You know, taking out a mortgage loan if you're in a position to do so. Or, I mean, I've got people here who would say, look, I mean, the interest rates aren't great, but as opposed to laying out my own cash and, you know, not having that disposable to me, I'd rather just take out a little bit of a bigger bond. But I suppose with the way things seem to be working in Israel, it might be in your interest to put down a lump sum, you know, sort of as much as you can. So I think you need to distinguish between uh, a, a home that you're buying for yourself and an investment property. Yes, of course. Uh, because interest rates are relatively low, so somebody buying for themselves, they should obviously stretch themselves as much as they can because even though interest rates have gone up, money is relatively cheap. Yes. Uh, in, in terms of investors, well, the maximum you can go to is, is 50%. And... Um, with a 50% mortgage, you're still going to have to top up for the first couple of years until such time as your your uh, rental covers that mortgage payment. Interesting, interesting, interesting. It's almost like identical. and and his so and and historically, even if people could afford to take bigger mortgages, they didn't take big mortgages. In fact, in 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 fact. My investors, uh, up until about four or five years ago, hardly any of them took mortgages. Interesting. I suppose a, a successful investor would likely be in a position where they'd have a little bit more disposable income. But that is yeah. quite interesting. And then in terms of a property valuation, I mean, I can tell you for, for free here that our properties are all given a municipal valuation based on size, position, area, etc., etc. And I'd say... 101% of the time, those values are overinflated. And obviously the reason behind that, in my opinion, which might be controversial, is, uh, you know, just to sort of suck out as much, as much as possible from our homeowners here, just to, I don't know what the councils really do with it at this point, but, you know, it's definitely something that affects people here. So I wanted to see how properties are generally evaluated there. Is it a municipal system? Is it private? Is it done through an agency? How does that tend to work? So, so it's it's got nothing to do with the municipality or government at all. Ooh, there are private cool. assessors, okay. private assessors that the bank will give you a list of people to take, and you have to pay that assessor. It's usually between, let's say, two and a half and five thousand shekels. Okay. They get their information from uh, several sources. One of them is the uh, the government. The um, property section of the government has got a website where you can go in and search specific areas to see what deals have been done. Yeah, prior sales. So, yeah, that's that's all online. Same uh, they obviously go on to uh, websites uh, that advertise properties. Yes. And they speak to local agents. And I can tell you that... Um, if you say that most of them are inflated, I would say there is a, uh, a, a saying here in Israel that is uh, tach, kisui tachat, yeah. uh, which basically means covering your ass. <laughs> and they would probably be five to two, five to ten percent lower than uh, than what the market really is, because they don't want to have a comeback from the banks ever to say, well. You inflated the price. Yes. Okay. That's very interesting because I was going to ask you, I mean, how generally speaking, of course, it's case by case, but how often or how close to that 
pre-evaluated figure asks, you know, are the sales that ultimately take place. I mean, again, we are all victims of the existing market we operate within, but you know, what's how, generally speaking, how close can sellers get to their initial asking price? Well, this is an interesting thing, which may lead to a, a different discussion, but that valuation is done after the fact. So, you can get a you, you'll get a an acceptance in principle as to whether you can afford a mortgage for one or two or five million shekels. Okay. But the bank only sends the assessor once the deal has been done. Okay, so it's so the exact sees, same here. So he sees that number. He sees you bought for two and a half million, and he says, "Okay, if it's really worth that number, two and a half, fine. Otherwise, I'll give it two two fifty or yeah. two four. Okay. Like no, so it's a similar situation here whereby they'll say, oh, that's very strange. Uh, you've just sold this property for a million rand, but the last sale was 1.5. And you'll obviously have to say, well, the last sale was two years ago when the market was completely different. Like, you know, there are factors that are, you know, not always taken into account here. But I suppose the system there must be a little bit, you know, more rigid and better run and better controlled. But uh before we jump into our next section, let's take a little bit of a short break and we'll be back straight after. Property. We live on it. We buy it. Sell it. Invest in it. This is Property Knox with Jordan Chernotsky. Barry Cohen with me in studio here from Blue Agency in Israel. Barry, thank you so much for your time that you've given us this morning. It's already been a fantastic conversation, even if the line in the sand was drawn here. Thankfully, it won't be. Barry, investments in Israel, investors, developments, new property, foreigners. Tell us a little bit in, about the scope for investment in Israel at the moment and what sort of a return on investment can be in, uh, expected You know, in such a difficult market. So, Jordan, just to give you a very quick background to, to where I come from, I've been doing this for about 20 years. Uh, initially was involved with my brother in an agency called uh, Anglo-Saxon, which is one of the biggest uh, real estate agencies in I've Israel. He- I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, about 12 years ago, just because uh, of logistics, he was a regional. His office is only in Ranana, and I was working outside of Ranana. Uh, we had to split the business into two. So I've been for the past, I would say, 14 years dealing with uh, new housing development, selling off plan. Probably 90% of that has been for investors and the overseas investors, mm-hmm. of which a majority are, are from South Africa. Wow. So where, where you're going now is pretty much what what, what I live and breathe uh, every day. So, oh, so I suppose you'll enjoy yourself for the next uh, little while. Yeah. And I'm sure our so, viewers will enjoy it as well. Or our listeners. So right. when you, you would have to really, really be unlucky to have lost money in real estate in Israel over the past 10, 15 years. Yeah. Uh, simple as that. You could literally bought a hole in the wall and uh, it would would be worth a lot more today. So I'm sure of it. From from an investor's point of view, uh, it's been great. I can give you an example of a property that we sold 18 months ago in a development in Natalia. I'll give you the details. It's a five room, which is four bedrooms. They count the lounge dining room as an extra room, which okay. is an interesting story in yeah, and of itself. But, well, I'll just quickly tell you why. After the Second World War, when uh, people were coming en masse to, to Israel, when they went to look for accommodation for families, because uh, each family lived in a room, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't take whole apartments, so they were very simply counting the number of rooms in the house. So if there were three bedrooms and a lounge dining room, it meant there were four rooms. Yeah, that's and interesting. And four families could live there. Okay. And uh, that, that's, that, that's how it continues. So. A five-room apartment in a new development in uh, in Netanya, which uh, is about 125 square meters with a balcony, uh, storeroom, lovely view, was sold for about 2.4 million shekels. Wow! Wow! Right? Wow! That wow. was that was off plan and uh, will be ready in about 
three months' time. That's incredible. I mean, we I'm working on a development this side of town as well. That it's more of an apartment development. I mean, obviously the structure and sizing of homes is completely different, you know, from country to country. But mm-hmm. for example, I mean, we have a product that is a three-bedroom apartment that is practically the same size as the home you've just described. You know, lounge, right. dining room, ultra modern, two bed, two bath, ensuite, everything you like. And I mean, those are going for a little over two million rand. So, I mean, just, wow. just to think about the comparison is absolutely frightening. Wow. So, so the, the, the story continues. Mm. And that is that, so this is an apartment, let's say on the 12th floor. Um, the developer has got, uh, another building that he's building and you can buy on the second floor in this next stage of the development for three and a half million shekels. <laughs> Identical apartments, yeah. exact same apartments, obviously on a lower floor, yes, of course. which would probably put the value of the 12th floor closer to 3.5, 3.6. Wow. So does the value so, go up as you get higher up or? It's it, it usually between 15 and 50,000 shekels per floor. Jeez. And garden-wise, is there like a generally a garden option that comes in as your sort of bestseller, or is it more of a skyscraper, mm-hmm. top-floor penthouse situation? That so, the, so the higher the higher you go, the better it is. Generally, a garden mm-hmm. apartment, there's very few of them, but it's, you know, if, you, if you're living in a 20-story building and you're in the garden apartment, you're pretty much everybody's ashtray. Okay. So um, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and just to, you know, so to, to discuss a couple of things specifically around those deals, we, we did quite a few deals in that project. I'm desperately looking for more deals there, but the developer has stopped selling. And this goes back to the original thing that we spoke about, you know, what is the reason for the the drop in sales. Is it because people are concerned about the market and want to see where it's going to go and expecting prices to go down? Or is it because there is a limited supply? So if there was a supply of um, 50,000 apartments uh, six months ago, uh, is there now only a supply of 30,000 apartments? And as a result, there's, there's less for people to buy. So one of the factors that is a very interesting factor uh, that has happened over the past couple of years is that developers are now keeping quite a big section of the, so I should say some developers, mm-hmm. are keeping quite a big section of their development as their own properties that they're going to rent out and only sell five or ten years down the line. I suppose the, the reason, reason, yes, yes, carry on. So, so the reason for that, number one, is tax incentives from the government. The government's looking for long-term rental solutions for people. Mm-hmm. So you do get a tax break on that. And the second is, again, going back to interest rates that are relatively low. So, you know, if the guy is paying 3% interest uh, on, on his money and the property is going up 10% every year, he'd be an idiot not to hold on to it. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose once, uh, you know, uh, as satisfactory or sufficient level of the development has been sold, he's almost in a position to say, right, my units I'm keeping are paid for now, you know, or at least somewhat. Yeah, and and interestingly enough, the the building companies, the big building companies have got very low gearing. Yeah. Um, the way they, uh, they structure the deal is they're selling off plan. So, so for, for the most, uh, a guy's putting down 15% on signing and he will pay 15% every four or five months until the, the apartment is ready. So drawdowns, yeah. So, exactly. So essentially the developer just has to put down 20% uh, mm. to the banks mm-hmm. and then the, the rest of it is, is the building is actually funded by the buyers. Yes, exactly. It's almost like um, a pre-sale target. Once you hit there, the banks say, right, yes. this is a feasible development and then you're sort of ready to go. Uh, absolutely. Amazing. So, so going back to, to your question about investors. So investors have done very well in the property markets in, in Israel over the past 10 or 15 years. If you look historically at the graph of real estate in Israel, it's obviously got its ups and downs, but it is on a upward trajectory. There's no reason to believe that that can change drastically if you're looking long term. Short term, 
for all of the things that we've discussed beforehand, I'm, I'm taking a bit of a wait and see approach at this point in time, because whereas I don't believe prices will come down, I do believe that prices will be realistic. Yes. Uh, I, 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 always used, I always used to joke about the fact that a guy sells his apartment in Israel and he gets a, a, a free car and a trip around the world. How is that? That is because he knows he he, he knows his, his property is worth two million shekels, but he's promised his kids a trip around the world and a new car. Mm-hmm. They ask two point two million shekels. Yeah, you know. And in a in a crazy market, as we've seen over the past eighteen months, people will just jump on on anything. We've We've had, you know, you talk about uh, the sales cycle. If it takes four to to six months to uh, possibly sell a property, yeah. we've had over the past couple of months deals being done on the same day. Wow. A guy walks in, a price is reasonable, you'll, you'll get your price straight away. Wow. And, and in terms of these people giving offers, how often do you find yourself in a position where the buyer it can't come right with the finances or reneges or, you know, those kinds of situations very, come up quite a very lot? In, very interesting question. They, they don't, when you buy a property here and you put down your 20%, uh, there's absolutely no request for proof of funds that you can complete the transaction. And, I have to be honest, in the 20 years I've been doing this, have never had a situation where a guy hasn't been able to complete. Okay, well, that's amazing. I, only, I dream of that. I dream of that every day. <laughs> sure. I pray, I pray. <laughs> so yeah, that, you guys are all subject to, to mortgage approval. and. Yeah, uh, no, but not to mention that. I mean, there's a section of buyers in our market that sort of, pose as buyers if that makes sense to be honest the reason is beyond me yeah but i mean in my experience with developments resales rentals there's so many people that just pop through the door even sign a contract with you and before deposits are paid you'll never hear from them again it's as if they disappear off the face of the earth but it's good to hear that it's not like that everywhere else yeah (laughs) so so then excuse me let me ask you this when when you're an owner or a manager of a property or a developer in israel What's, what are the most, I won't say concerning, what are the most important factors to consider in terms of looking after your property, managing the tenant, making sure payments are coming in? Is there, is there an appointed person that manages that for you? Can you do it yourself? How, how would one, what would be the best, you know, course of action in that regard for a, a property owner? So as an absentee landlord, there's no doubt that you need uh, somebody who's professional to to look after your property. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. A client of mine called me. He lives originally South African, lives in Australia, and he said, look, I've got a property in Marbella yeah. that was rented out. I just got a call now. It's a disaster. Please, I can't go from Australia. Get on a plane and check it out. Mm-hmm. So I got on a plane and I arrived there and as I landed, I got a bit of a shock because funnily enough, I don't speak Portuguese, Jeez, which is would, what they you, speak. You'd think. Who would have known? Yeah, I mean, yes. you've got to be more prepared next time, Barry. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, in, my, in, in his broken English, I managed to get the driver to, to take me to the development and I arrived there and everybody's speaking this weird, weird language, <laughs> and I had absolutely no idea what was going on. You must have got there and said, am I, is, am I having a stroke? Is something going on here? What is going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I managed through, you know, through, through contact, I managed to get hold of a, an English-speaking agent um, who came back. Funny enough, he was Israeli, so we spoke in Hebrew and got our competitive advantage back. But he <laughs> taught me a lesson. He taught me a lesson. Um, I didn't quite understand what my clients were going through, but you come here and yes, people speak English and you can do it, but you don't know the language, you don't know the culture. Yeah. And you come here and majority of people are buying, not necessarily, they're buying as an investment, but you know, they're not looking at it, this is, you know, the best investment they're going to make. They want to buy something because they want, want to have something in Israel. Yeah, exactly. And the, the history would, history would, uh, 
indicate that it's not a bad idea, I suppose. He, he, uh, absolutely. And, you you know, I see it time and time again. People put their trust in you in Israel. Everybody here is Jewish. You, you know, you're trusting the guy who was in an elite unit in the army. and But you actually have no idea what's going on. No, exactly. And to have Auntie Shirley, who lives in Haifa, looking after your property in Netanya is, is a disaster. No, I can't so, imagine. You do need to have a professional looking after it. Um, you need to know what the ins and outs are of who is responsible for what, making sure that the property is, is market related. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, as with everything, it, selling, selling a property is easy. The, the most important is how you bought it. Yes. And, and here is exactly the same. You know, getting tenants, we never have a problem. But the, the most important is which tenants you get. Yes, quality over and, quantity, I suppose. It's the uh, same. Uh, absolutely. And I must say, thank God, we, with all the properties that we manage, we have very, very few delinquent uh, tenants. tenants. That's amazing. And uh, most of our tenants stay there, I would say, on average, seven to eight years in wow. the property. Wow, 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 wow. I mean, here, for example, I'm sure you have some, you know, understanding of the situation, but, you know, at the moment, rentals are really, really pumping and booming here just due to the housing crisis. I, would, I don't know if it's a crisis yet, but it's pretty close. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, we do see a lot of interest in rentals, but again, it is so, so critical that you are very scrutinous, if that's the right word, when you are doing your credit checks, background yeah. checks and whatnot. And I mean, as an agent myself, I'd always tell a client, you look, if you've got two uh, two prospects, one's more solid but offering you a bit less and one's less solid but offering you a bit more, it's a no-brainer which one you should go for and uh, that would be the safer bet. Uh, uh, absolutely. And, you know, meeting the person and understanding the person, you know, you, you get a feel. Uh, you know, when I say thank God I've had no delinquent uh, very few delinquent tenants. I can almost, you know, the day after we've signed the contract, I can say, you know what, that guy's probably not going to be a good tenant. And uh, it, you know, as I say, it, it's it's all part of choosing them beforehand and and knowing what the uh, you know what the market is expecting and to make sure that you, you're not going to have hassles with the guy down the line. Interesting to hear. Look, I mean, safety and, you know, not having to worry about these little formalities is more important than actually drawing in that income. And that's my opinion. And I'll stand by that. But, yeah. uh, that's, it's, it's quite interesting to hear a little bit of insight and, you know, about the, the commonalities and differences. Um, but, uh, let's, uh, carry on straight after this. Property. We live on it. We buy it. Sell it. Invest in it. This is Proportunity Knox with Jordan Chernotsky. Barry Cohen with me here from the Blue Agency in Israel, just having a rousing Sunday morning chat about the property market in Israel and, you know, drawing comparisons wherever possible to our market. Barry, back to business. Tell us a little bit about the very well-known and very popular and almost seemingly heaven on earth place to be in Israel. Tell us about Tel Aviv. Tell us about why the property values there are so high, if not some of the highest in the entire world. And just in general, I mean, what the situation's looking like there. I know, especially when it comes to youngsters looking at making Aliyah or moving over there, there seems to be this hopped up bubble about living in Tel Aviv and moving to Tel Aviv. And I mean, having been there before, I can understand why. But needless to say, along with that comes from what I've heard and researched, astronomical expenses as opposed to, you know, your general area in Israel. Uh, so, Jordan, write it down, right? I've got a property for you. Just let me get Beautiful a pen. Property. One second. Okay, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a big property, I'll admit. It's 480 square meters. Okay. Uh, it has a full sea view. It has very big balconies. Will you let me guess the pool. price before you tell me? Sure. Okay. Uh, it, it has a big balcony and a pool, mm-hmm. uh, and it's three bedrooms. Okay. 
Let me think. Have a guess. So if I was going to tell you what that would cost here, if it was bespoke, luxury, beautiful, look, a, a property of that size would likely be like a little house or cluster. But, I mean, best of the best here, you're looking at about, at this point, maybe $8 million, $7 million. So that makes me think we're looking at tens of millions of shekels here, if not a, a number that won't even feel right to say. I'm thinking... Oh, maybe I, I don't want to risk, I'll risk sounding silly, over a hundred million shekels. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'll, I'll give it to you in rands because it's more impressive. Yeah. 600 and, 635 million rand. Wow, so that's about a hundred million shekels. A little it's, more. It's a hundred and twenty million, hundred and twenty. Oh, geez, at least I sort of know what I'm talking about. Wow. <laughs> Jeez, that is, <laughs> Absolutely. that is almost, uh, it's almost, that's, it's almost incomprehensible. From a normal person's perspective, to even think about being in a position to be able to remotely afford that. So, you know, you, you speak about Tel Aviv, and obviously it is the, uh, it's the most expensive real estate in Israel. Talking about seafront, mm-hmm. there is, there is one other area which is more expensive, which is in Herzliya Pituach, which is a road which is really, really, I mean, you, you're on the cliff. Yeah. Um, like a Hollywood and, strip. And think, yeah, things things change hands there. Well, very very few, but the, the, I do. That is actually where the American embassy was. Just uh, as Trump was leaving office, they did a deal with Sheldon Adelson mm-hmm. um, on that property. I think it was about 140 million dollars. Not a particularly impressive house at all, but yeah. right on the, uh, on on the seafront. Wow. So, if you're looking for something in Tel Aviv, you are looking. Starting starting price is going to be uh, forty to fifty thousand shekels a meter. My God, makes um, me makes me want to cry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, that is that is impressively high. And the the frustrating thing is that there is virtually nothing nothing available. Sale. Yeah. Nothing, nothing available. So, so what sort of and, a return would one be in line for as in terms of a successful transaction there? I mean, look, I, I assume a lot of these properties have been up for a while, but you know, it, with such expensive prices, one would have to think that there's a nice opportunity for developers to leverage on that. So are the costs exorbitant as well, or is there room for an efficient developer to put up a project of that nature and, you know, come out with, uh, a hefty little ROI. Well, the, the, yes, obviously, uh, if if he owns the property, then he has a good chance of of making uh, a ton of money. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the cost of well, there's no land left, so the yeah. only the only options they've got Resales. is to well, they they can there's there's a a government. Uh, incentive where you take an old building pre-1980 that is three stories high mm-hmm. and you can build additional, either knock down the building totally and rebuild and you get a, up to six or eight stories. Or if you manage to get a few buildings together, uh, it's called Pinui Binui, uh, you know, moving people out and building. And there you can get a skyscraper. So, and, and, and there, yes, there's, there's tremendous margins to be made. But yeah. There, there are, you know, there's very terrible access to, to Tel Aviv. So uh, a, a guy that's building an apartment in Netanya, uh, a block in Netanya, just throw out a, a crate. If his building cost is a thousand shekels a meter, it's going to be at least double in Tel Aviv, just logistically, because the guy can't get in there and he has to, you know, pay extra for, for, for everything so that he can move his materials there. Um, in terms of in terms of the investor, so most of my guys that are looking, they're just looking to get into the market. So we need to find something that's in a good area, will be easy to rent, and will hold its value. If if somebody's specifically looking in Tel Aviv and they want to buy something, maybe not that they're going to use, but they want to invest in Tel Aviv, the numbers all pretty much add up to the same. You're looking at around. Two to three percent return, uh, rental return on your property. Yeah, per annum, of course. Per annum, that's, and that's, incre- that's look. I mean, 
I don't know if it's incredible, but it's quite uh, it's quite uh, stable, I suppose. So it, it it is stable. You have to bear in mind that the the tenant pays all the outgoings. So the tenant over and above the rental, he pays the rates and taxes. He pays the uh, uh, body corporate the levy electricity. Yeah, Jeez, yeah, yeah. He, he pays he pays everything. So. Essentially, for the for the owner, it's a, it's a net return. Yes. Apart from tax, he'd have to pay ten percent income tax. And obviously, the the mortgage repayments, if that applied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, so, that's incredible to know about the levies and the rates, because here it's obviously the responsibility of the landlord. I, I, I know. And, you know, when people say to me, "Oh, well, I'm getting five, six percent in South Africa," I say, "Yeah, but you still got all your uh, mm-hmm. all your outgoings to to pay," and when talking about in, in investment, so obviously that's one of the factors that we, we take into account. Uh, over the past 10, 15 years, if you've had money sitting in shekels in a bank account, or in dollars for that matter, you, you've got no, no interest, uh, literally zero, 0.1% you, you can earn on your money. And that's made uh, real estate very attractive because if you're getting 2.5%, Let's say a guy's got 10 million shekels sitting in the bank and literally will get a few thousand shekels interest. But if he had to put that into a property, so he's going to be getting 250,000 shekels a year, it's very, very attractive. Today, with interest rates rising and the possibility to actually maybe get 2% or 3% in the bank, so I believe that it will have an effect on investors coming into the market. No, certainly. I'm sure that's it. There's obviously the, a strong correlation between your prime rates, your, your interest rates being earned. I mean, I can tell you, for example, here at the moment, uh, it's almost nine out of 10 times, it's almost safer to sell your property for a little bit less, put that money into the bank and earn your interest of six, seven percent a year. And again, mm-hmm. it's worrying to not, to, to say that that might be a better sort of financial situation, well, might leave you in a better financial situation than owning a property. I mean, Generally speaking, economically, historically, throughout the world, property is your most solid, secure investment. But, you know, the fact that putting a couple hundred grand into a bank here might earn you more than owning a property that's fully tenanted for a year is, is obviously a, a deep concern. And, and I certainly think that it's now going to be an option that people will look at. You just have to factor in then if you believe that prices will continue to rise because They've had their two and a half, three percent return, and they've had five to eight percent capital appreciation every year. So that's been a fantastic investment for them. Yeah, I look. Uh, you're not going to get that in in the banks, but as I say, you know, it depends what your outlook is on on the market, whether yeah. you think it's going to continue climbing. Yeah, and I suppose there, I suppose you you always have to weigh up your risk to reward ratios, which obviously will differ from area to area, property to property. You sure. know. So I suppose there's a lot of sure. due diligence that needs to be done, but if done correctly, might leave you a little bit better off in the, the which, which which is very much a part of the investment strategy because yes. you know the, the center of Israel is always going to be a safe bet. Mm-hmm. And when I say the center of Israel, uh, Tel Aviv and probably a 20 kilometer radius, yeah, uh, 25 kilometer radius. You can get good deals further north, further south. For sure. Uh, you can get some fantastic deals, which have done incredibly well uh, yeah. over the past couple of years. But at the same time, when things turn bad, they're going to tank uh, a lot quicker. Yeah, look, we've seen it here. I mean, you know, there's obviously a very, very wide spread of demographics and, you know, earning earning brackets and whatnot in South Africa. And you can tell almost instantaneously, I mean, if you go to Hyde Park, you'll find a house there. It's on the market for 15 million. Then you go to Rosebank or somewhere 10 minutes away, and you'll people, you've got people struggling to get 2 million. Obviously, not the same caliber, <laughs> but it's almost yeah. like there's a different market in every area code. But, uh, yeah. Barry, I just want to say thank you so, so much for, for joining us. And without even a hesitation, I hope you'd like to come and join us again in the future because Absolutely. there's so yeah, much more to. to talk about in so little time. And uh, yeah. I can tell you that I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I feel like I've learned a lot, and uh, it's, it's just really been a it's been a great time. So thank you, Barry. 
It's, it's a pleasure, and uh, I understand why I'm up early on a Sunday because our work week starts on a Sunday yes. morning. I don't know what you guys are doing up early on a Sunday. I'm an early riser. The early bird gets the worm. My girlfriend yeah. always shouts at me because as, as, um, as my eyes open up, I seem to get a burst of energy like a, a four-year-old on a playground that just drink, drank a Fanta grape or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Barry, it's, it's thank been, you. It's been wonderful uh, Chenna and uh, I've enjoyed it thoroughly and would be uh, uh, I would love the opportunity of coming back again thank you so much Barry we would love to have you back so without further ado before we wrap up the show let's go through a little bit of statistics in the property market I've obviously tweaked it a little bit today so that these stats pertain to Israel and uh, I hope that this gives you guys a little bit of uh, information and fun facts for the rest of the week so Starting off with point number one, Israel has seen the fastest annual increase, annual price increase in properties, specifically in the central regions, with over 20% increases seen between June and July 2022 compared to the year before. By the area, Haifa by 18.3%, northern Israel just under 17%, and then Tel Aviv and its surroundings by almost 16.5-17%. Jerusalem 15.7, just under 16. So that's quite interesting to note. Another is just a general little piece of sort of cultural information about the homes in Israel in that a lot of them are or predominantly built using thick stone walls and stone tiled floors just to keep out that summer heat and also retain the winter cold, which is interesting to know because, I mean, of course, in South Africa, you have all sorts of different situations in terms of how you heat your house. You want wooden floors, tile floors, this floor, carpet, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. So obviously dealing with extreme heat and, I suppose, extreme cold in winter, it's quite interesting to know the thinking behind how these places are built. Um, next point of interest is that year-on-year, year, all regions were showing double-digit house price inflation, which is uh, an indication of low interest rates, generally speaking, in Mars, with the steepest increases being seen in Haifa, uh, about 20%, as well as the north in general, which have typically been cheaper areas to live in in the past, as Barry said during our interview. Moving on from there... In terms of some other market data that's been published, the demand for new housing in July dropped slightly by a little over 3%, while sales of new housing fell by a figure of around 5.5%, with only, and again, my basis for what the usual numbers would be is a little bit unresearched, not going to lie, but only 2,780 new apartments were sold in July, and apartments are frequently remaining on the market unsold for many months, which is uncommon in Israel. Very common here, though. And lastly, just to wrap up this week's edition of Propertunity Knox, the only markets in which 400 new properties were sold over the last three months, well, from May to June, were in Netanya, Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, and Ashkelon. So that is just a little bit of interesting information and statistics into the property situation around various parts of Israel. I am Jordan Chinatsky, your host for Propertunity Knox. Have an amazing Sunday and an even better week. We'll see you next week, same time, same place. Cheers, guys.